What's up, everybody? I'm Michael Nettemeyer here with Jeff King and Joe Geary, and we are your host of the Whitwin Podcast. Whatever it takes, whenever it's needed, we're talking all things real estate. So today we want to touch a little bit on the realtor versus the real estate professional, and there is a difference. There's right? a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. And we're just going to go through kind of the day-to-day basis on you know what a realtor does and what a real estate professional does yeah. throughout the day and kind of what their schedule is and break that down for you guys so you know exactly what actions you need to be taking every day you know, to have success in the industry. Absolutely. And, you know, we touched a little bit in previous episodes on kind of the what it takes to become a realtor, right? So let's just hit on that real quick. Uh, basically, what are the requirements to become a realtor? Mainly, you're getting the license test. That's pretty much the biggest part about it is that you can't start your career unless you have that license. And to tell you the truth, going through that license test and getting that process done and taking the test, everything that you learn throughout the process, you don't really learn on a or do on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, exactly. Because it's everything you learn from a licensing standpoint is not necessarily what you're applying to actually get your business off the ground. And, and let's be honest, you go to school for eight days, right? We've talked about this before, I know, but eight days, you have to get a C minus on it, and then you become a realtor. So I think what happens with a lot of people is that they, they study, they get, they put school on a credit card, whatever it is, they get their license, and now it becomes, now what do I do? Right? And so what do I have to do now to get my business off the ground? And that's where people honestly get stuck. A lot of people right from the beginning, unfortunately. It's So, you know, touching on things that I think a lot of people, too, in this industry, they think that they are, you know, they're a professional salesperson, but they're not, right? And just because you've been in the business for a long period of time, I know in working with people in the past, they'll be like, well, I've been doing this for 30 years I know what I'm doing, and in 30 years, they've sold 30 houses. Yeah, so and a lot of things change over that time frame, too. Right, and, and it's like it's just because longevity doesn't mean you have experience. Just because you've been in it a long time, what gives you experience is sales. Like You have to have the volume and be selling to get the experience to figure out what works, what doesn't work, how to become a pro in this industry. And I think a lot of people don't really commit to the profession. They get their license, they start getting into the industry, and then they don't know what to do, and then they're out in six months. Right? I mean, are you guys seeing that happen as well? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. And I think what one of the things that keeps me going especially is that you talk about, you know, maybe you were in the industry for 30 years and you sold 30 houses. That means you're selling one house every single exactly. year. Right. And I remember you telling us, Michael, about how the average realtor sells on average three houses in mm-hmm. an entire year. And that's really not much to make ends meet. And that tells you that you have a lot of outliers out there. There are a lot of people in the industry that might have their license that haven't sold any homes. So right. they're sitting there at zero. Yeah. And and that's year over year potentially, but they keep their license active. And then you have larger either teams or larger individuals that are closing 40, 50, 60, 100 homes a year. And that really starts to skew those numbers. And I think to, to really have this as a business, you have to have that business plan in place and take it very seriously or else you will end up with either one or two or three houses. And that's unfortunately one house a quarter is not much no, uh, in, not in your bank account, yeah, that's for sure. That's right. You won't in this industry long mm-hmm. and so things to make yourself how do you start becoming a professional i think the easiest way to do is one dress like a professional absolutely because right? i think in our industry i think in society is in general has become very casual mm-hmm. very lax I think it's from like social media just like instagram you see all these like models and you know big celebrities on instagram just kind of dressing casual right and people who haven't achieved that greatness yet think oh i can wear jeans for a listing appointment I yeah can, you know agreed yeah I totally agree with that. I think a lot of it is you see people, yeah, that are highly successful and they're in jeans. And because a lot of it too is like you see tech people. That's right. Right. And a lot of the tech industry, and, and I see it too within Keller Williams because Gary Keller has shifted our company to a tech company, which is great. And they're doing awesome things with technology. 
And at the same time, we are still real estate agents. So I think you need to ask yourself if, if you are a real estate agent, even though Keller Williams is now a tech company, how much of your money is coming from tech? And if the answer is 100% it's coming from tech, where are your Birkenstocks? <laughs> if, the answer, if the answer is 100% coming from real estate sales, you're a realtor. Mm-hmm. You know, you're a tech-enabled realtor, mm-hmm. right? And a real estate professional, you need to dress the part. So don't go in in a t-shirt and jeans and expect to get a, a listing appointment because that's one thing that we really emphasize on our team is that you have to look the part, right. right? People, you're handling a large transaction, sometimes the largest transaction of people's lives, and if you're coming in just dressed like you just you know came from a backyard barbecue, who's going to take you serious? Right, exactly. And I think there's a lot to be said, too, about appearance and confidence and the ability to, to dress up and look the part. But then also, too, not only have confidence in your appearance, but your ability. And so I think that there's a lot of nonverbals there, too, that dressing the part really makes it so that people do trust you, in a sense, that they want to listen to what you have to say because you're already dressed the part and you're prepared to potentially then take that skill set and then apply it in addition yeah. to looking the part. I, I agree with that completely. And I think too, just because when you go to the office, if you're going to the office dressed for success, mm-hmm. the likelihood of you getting something or setting an appointment that day goes up significantly. If you're going in and you're dressed in shorts and flip flops and you're going into the office with no intention of going on an appointment, like you have no plans of going on an appointment. Yeah, especially when you're on the phone as well. It helps a lot with your confidence when you're on the phone just, you know, dressing up, suiting up. Yeah. Just get on the phone and just you know boost your confidence because you're like, I'm ready to go on this appointment. Let me set some so I can go out. And Ideally, that same day, yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about if you didn't come in dressed, ready to go on the appointment, going home and changing and then hurrying right. up and running yeah. to the appointment. You set your appointment that same day. And as we know, the faster that you can get in front of people to have the conversation while they're actually thinking about real estate, the your chance for success Absolutely. and that conversion just skyrockets. Right. Agreed. Absolutely. And that's why I think it's so important. And that's why from early on in my career, I started, I dressed professionally every day because it does make a difference and people want to know what you do and you know and, and it makes a huge difference like you said in your confidence and now you're confident that at least you're you look the part yeah. you still like, don't really know, good. <laughs> you know what you need to do yet but at least you look the part yeah. and i think that's that's a big part of it and you know dressing casually may work for some people but i'm a firm believer that we're in a professional environment we're in a, in a profession i think that's one of the reasons too the general public doesn't have a real good impression or perception of us Mm -hmm. because there's so many because the bar of entry is so low and then people on top of it aren't dressing professionally so who's going to really take you professionally right and then and then to, to even go one step further when people get into this industry what are you actually doing every day to make yourself better to really Make yourself a professional. They, they say mastery to master something, it's 10,000 hours. Mm-hmm. right? So what are people doing every single day? I think a lot of that goes on the paralysis through analysis thing. Because a lot of new agents will just spend all their time training, train, train. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, real estate's a commission-based job. So if you're just spending all your time training, then you're never going to get paid. So you spend three months straight just doing train, train, train. You know, no work or no effort to try to build business. You know, you're going to be broke then having yeah. the money come Yeah, and I think there's a good balance there that you can both learn and also set appointments and go on them at the same time. You don't have to know absolutely everything in order to make sure that you can take care of someone in a real estate transaction because you have the ability to ask questions right. around the way. Mm-hmm. And, and I think a big part of that too is that if you only ever know real estate on the side of the textbook or on the license side and you know everything that you could possibly do and you get 100% on your your license exam Mm -hmm. and then you go into the real estate field 
that real estate license that you had to get in order to start your career, that didn't prepare you in any way, shape, or form on how to set an appointment, how to get a listing appointment, right. or even, I would even go as, as far as to say how to really sell homes in yeah, a sense. I agree. And I think that's where a lot of people, though, they don't go further than that. They, they say, okay, I have my license now. Now what do I do? They either don't know or they don't. They choose not to know. And the thing is, if you look at just people in general, they say the average person reads one book a year. Mm-hmm. It's very right? sad. It's one book. That means there are tons of people. There's millions or hundreds of millions of people that read none. So Jim Rohn says self, your formal education will make you a living. Self-education will make you a fortune. And I think a lot of people stop at that formal education. Okay, I'm done with high school, done with college. And they never continue to work on themselves, so they find themselves stuck in a place where maybe they're not happy. And what they need to figure, what they need to realize is, they need to look internally and say, where they, where you are today, is a direct reflection of your actions and your effort that you've put. Everything in. that got you to that yeah, point, exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's where a lot of people. What would happen? I mean, this applies to every industry, really. I mean, what would happen if you started showing up early? Yeah, right. True. If you just start mm-hmm. showing up early and staying late, mm-hmm. right? Like, what would happen if you did that? And not just once, not just twice, but what would your world start to look like if, if you did it for a year? Would things happen for you? Would people start to recognize you and recognize your effort? Just little things like that. Dress the part and start showing up early. Be the first one in the office, last one to leave. What would happen? Just making those couple of little changes. Yeah, right? that's a good work ethic, and that yeah. really applies to anything. You know, that mm-hmm. applies to any any profession in a sense, and. To say that real estate is any different, I know that you know a lot of times you hear people get into real estate because they want the flexibility. And while that flexibility absolutely exists, I think that it takes a certain person to be diligent enough to realize that you're not starting a real estate career so that you can just be very loose around what your schedule is. Mm-hmm. There has to be something, some type of a plan in place. Otherwise, you won't even be able to get your business off the ground if the only reason that you're going into real estate is for flexibility. And right. that goes back to the whole like scheduling thing too that we're going to touch on. Just about setting your schedule so it's consistent day in and day out so you're doing the same activities and same actions every day. Yeah. You know, so you're not just scattered like, what am I going to do tomorrow? You know, you know exactly what you're going to do every day. You know, as soon as you wake up, you're going to do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And then, you you know, you're going to get the results eventually by doing that over time yeah. again and again. Definitely. Yeah, plan your day and work your plan, right? And and that's the thing. That's the whole thing about effort, knowing, having a plan, having a schedule. And if you want to know, be known for anything, it's being known for having a good work ethic. Absolutely. You know, like mm-hmm. you came into, Joe, I'm going to put you on the spot here, but you came into the team a couple months ago and you started hitting the phones hard every single day, right, to the point where you were typically the first one in. You're staying late. You're here on weekends I mean the mailman made a comment <laughs> right the mailman yeah, was yeah. like hey that guy he's here all the time <laughs> yeah. does he ever go home but that's what you want and especially with launching a career if you're going to be known for anything it should be that and you want people to have that kind of opinion about you that wow this guy works he works hard he's here all the time and I thought that was pretty cool for the mailman to comment yeah. on that right it just shows that you're putting the time and effort in and because of that you're seeing the results where most people won't even put the time and effort in. They'll put a little bit of time or they'll do it for a week or a month. I mean, it may take you 10 years to get your business really to the point where you want it to go. And how many people are willing to commit to, to go 10 years? You know, like you hear your other entrepreneurs tell their stories about they didn't make money. They made very little money for years and years and years. And now they're highly successful, but most people want what they have today exactly. without putting in that, that long-term effort. And that's what it takes in this. So to get in real estate and to have and start structuring your day, the first thing I would say is you set office hours. Because if you don't have office hours, what are you doing? If you don't have, like you said, a schedule to follow every single day, what are you doing every day? And the, and the answer is you probably won't be doing much. You'll just be waking up kind of lost. Well, maybe I'll go in the office today. You work on a little flyer or, 
or something like that. So that was something I just I discovered early on too that to really succeed at this, I needed to have office hours. Even if I didn't have anything to do, I was going to be there from seven thirty to five every single day. And what happens is you start figuring out stuff to do in that time. You start talking to other people that are succeeding at a higher level, and you start working on your skill set and to get better every single day. And so I think for me, it's set office hours, have a schedule every single day that you follow. So what does that schedule look like? What, what does our schedule look like for the most part? Yeah, starting off your day with lead generation. Mm -hmm. You know, in the very morning, the first thing that you do is you make your, your phone calls and you get that out of the way in the beginning because as that time goes on, things come up during the day and that's, that's an inevitable. It's something that will always happen. But what we find is that having that most success and really time blocking out the lead generation so that you know that when you're going to get on the phone, that's when you get on the phone and make phone calls, it starts your off your day off so that you don't forget to do lead generation or mm -hmm. to, to forget to supplement lead generation later on down the road. Because you can always add more, right. but at least that's the first thing that you know when you wake up, we have to do lead generation. Yeah, I agree. I think that, I think applied with then mastering your skills. So like mastering your craft, because I think your, your skill set, your scripts, your dialogues, mm -hmm. everything like that, that's extremely important because if you're not practicing those things, then you're practicing them on the client. Exactly. Like if you're not rehearsing your, your listing presentation or if you don't have a listing presentation, you need to get one. You can't just go into it and just start, hope that you build rapport with the person they like you. Because what's gonna happen is they're gonna say, you know what, I, you know, from a rapport standpoint, I really like you. I think we're really compatible, but but I'm going to have to go with the other agent because I feel more confident that they can get the house sold. Yeah, there's a difference there between business and relationship. Mm -hmm. And while both are very important, you have to have a very strong business plan going into it. That means your listing presentation is actually put together right. and something that you can have a conversation around and have some type of a collateral that you could leave behind with them. And it's not just a simple conversation. Hopefully your personality gets you the business. There's a lot more to it than yeah. that. And I feel like it goes back to the real estate professional too because you know the real estate professional knows their scripts they know their objection handlers and the you know the just the realtor who's not a professional doesn't so necessarily when they get a big objection on say commission they're going to be the first ones to cut their commission down by a percentage two percent mm -hmm. mm -hmm. just because they don't know how to handle those objections right. because they skip out on that training every day that we talk about because you can always get better at it and yeah. there's always going to be those objections for commission or for cost that you can handle if you practice it over and over again the one who's not professional is just going to cut that corner immediately and just try to go as low as possible on price. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's almost like if you take the analogy of any sports team and you didn't practice at any point in time, all you did was go and play the game. That's basically what I see a, a lot of times sometimes happening anyway, that there is no practice leading up to that point. Mm -hmm. And if you're not prepared and you're not practicing, and the only time you practice is when you go on those appointments, how successful do you think you can really be? Or flip the script, how much more successful do you think you can be if you practice five days a week right. and then when you went to the game or you actually went to the appointment, you were ready and prepared to, to get that listing and yeah. get that signed document. Yeah, so that way when you get an objection like you just mentioned, mm -hmm. your commission's too high. I don't want to pay 6%. Okay, I'll do it for five. You know, that's the realtor, the person that's not prepared, or the 6%, because the thing is, in the absence of value, price becomes an issue, that's right. right? So if you're providing enough value, they're gonna look at it, and we have clients say this now, they're like, oh, I figured it would be much higher than six. Because we do so much, and we have a plan going into it, and on top of that, we do a lot of market research as well. We know the area. We go out and preview homes. That's something everybody should be doing. If you're going on a listing appointment, you should go preview all of your active homes before you go on that appointment. That way you can speak incredibly knowledgeable about those properties. Yeah, I've been in this property. It has granite. Yours doesn't. It has this or it doesn't have this that yours does. 
And that can really help with pricing because that's where people are looking too. We're not looking to have the client just set the price. That's right. Because mm-hmm. the client says, well, I want 300 and you know there's no chance that that property's ever going to sell for 300 Everything in line in that subdivision is 250000 you're doing them a disservice by taking that listing at 300, but a lot of realtors will take it at 300 because they just want to sign in the yard. Yeah, right. Well, and that's the point too that knowing and understanding the comps in the area, and, and I'm sure we'll touch on that in a later episode more on comps, but really understanding that being priced out of the gate, especially and having the conversation when you're on that listing appointment with the client, if it was an expired listing or if it was a for sale by owner, if their home is still on the market or if it hasn't sold, chances are there was an issue with price. And so to just tell them again something that they want to hear and let them set the price without us being able to have the number one the knowledge mm-hmm. but then also to the research and the statistics that actually back it up that's a huge miss on anyone's part if they're going in and letting that client set the expectation for what they want to sell their home for when they know that it's really not worth that much yeah agreed and that's where it comes into the professionalism in this industry if you are working on your your skill set and your craft every day and your profession every single day, you're armed with the ability and the tools to be able to have tough conversations with sellers. If you're not working on those things every day, you're gonna fold as soon as it goes in there. It's the same thing with negotiating, right? Like they are ultimately hiring us to sell their house, but they are really hiring us to negotiate the best price possible. And if you can't even negotiate your own commission, how are you ever gonna negotiate their sale price? Yes, and how can you stand up for that and actually be able to defend that value when you go pricing things right straight out of the Mm -hmm. gate? Exactly, and that's where it comes into negotiating price then when you get an offer on a house. Or, or even inspections, most realtors immediately default to, if it's, we want a $5,000 credit, well, let's split the difference. As soon as it gets a little tough, they say, let's split the difference. Yeah, That's looking not for an easy way tool. out. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or, or they yeah. say, let's kick in commission to make the deal work. Mm-hmm. You know what, we're $600 apart, the seller won't give anymore, the buyer won't come up, let's just kick in our commission. That's not a good negotiator either, <laughs> right? There's a solution to every problem. And if your answer is either split the difference or cut commission, you need to get back to basics and start learning how to negotiate on behalf of your buyer or seller to, to be to really to be benefiting them because if you're not, that's not a way to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And most people in our industry though, we negotiate every single day, whether you know it or not, but no one really works on it, unfortunately. Like how many people in our industry have read negotiation books? Right. Or practice negotiating with someone else, even yeah. in a role play, for example. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And it's unfortunate. But it's one thing that as an industry we need to get better at. We need to be working every single day to improve ourselves, right? The old saying of no days off, that doesn't mean you're not working seven days a week. It means that every day you should be striving to get better, right? And the way you do that is by one, reading, one, surrounding yourself with people where you can start getting more in dialogue on scripts mm-hmm. and practicing. Because Practice, yeah. the other thing is too, when you go on, like what's the biggest objection? We go, we go on a lot of expired listings, <laughs> homes that were on the market previously, they didn't sell with another realtor. When we sit down and we're talking to the seller, one of the biggest complaints they have about their previous realtor was communication, mm-hmm. right? So they say, you know, everything sounded good when our realtor came out, we got it on the market, heard from them the first week, second week communication got less, third week, sometimes to where they don't even know their house was off the market. Yeah. The house expired. Because a lot of calls, when we call people and let them know that they're expired, they don't even know they're Yeah, yeah they have no right. Because mm-hmm. their realtor can't communicate with them even with that. And the reason they can't communicate with them is usually because they don't know what to say. True because it's been on the market now for three months or six months or even 30 days, but they don't know what to say. And that's why it's important that you have a process for listing a house. If you're gonna go list a house, you need to have a plan and process in place. You can't just go put the sign in the yard, put it in the MLS and pray it sells, 
right? The three P's. The three P's, right? that's right. You need to have a process in place and, and you need to be able to have those conversations. So like, what do we do? We have a weekly seller report that goes out. Mm-hmm. It goes over everything from what's currently on the market because you want to know if any new homes come to the market. Has anything recently sold? Has anything had a price reduction? So we can relay that information. How much online activity are we getting? How many showings are we getting on the property? And what's the feedback been? Exactly, yeah. And it goes back into the research part of this is understanding the market so that we can add value, not just sell the home, Mm -hmm. but understand and have the conversation and oftentimes the tough conversations around pricing that if it indicates that we're having low showings or not any showings at all potentially, there's an issue in price there. The the, the market is rejecting that price, which is reflective then back in the showings. Yeah, because if you can show them that you've had thousands of views online and you're getting all of this exposure online and everyone's looking at the property and no one's coming to see it, it's either a price or condition. Mm-hmm. Right? So you need to look at that. Now, if you've had the home stage or the house looks great, the photos are great online, it's probably not condition and it's not marketing because you're getting it in front of people, it's price. And those are the conversations you need to have with people. Look, we've had, you know, when we first came out, we discussed that if we were getting a lot of activity and no offers on your home, we could be four to 6% off on price. Right, so now it's two weeks into the process. We're having a conversation with our seller. We've had 14 showings. Everyone said it's overpriced. Right? We've gotten thousands of hits online. Everyone's viewing it online, and we're getting people in here. It's time to make a reduction. And remember when we first came out, we said we need to make a 4 to 6% reduction. So how much do you feel we should be able we should reduce your price? And they're going to say, if it's a $500,000 house, well, $5,000. Okay, so that's a 1% reduction. Right, Mr. Mr. Seller, when you were looking at the paper and you see a sale, when's the last time you got excited about a 1% off sale? Right? No one's going to come see the house. Mm-hmm. It's not going to work. Yeah. Don't take a small reduction like that on a house. A 1% reduction is going to do nothing to get your property sold. So, Mr. Mr. Seller, remember when we came out, we said 4 to 6%. You do want to get moved to wherever they're moving. You do want to get moved to Florida, right, and get your home sold. So where do you feel comfortable between 4 and 6% dropping the price? Well, let's go for 6%. Great. You just got a $30,000 price reduction. Yes. But you're not going to get that reduction if you're just calling them saying, well, I think we should drop the price. Yes. Mm-hmm. You need With to have no reason. Data. Exactly. Right. You need to have factual data. We held it open. We had 27 people through. Here's the feedback. Here's all the showings we've had. No Here's the feedback. Exactly. And you put that report in front of them so they can look at it. And now they know you're doing something to actually help get their household. You're not just putting it in the MLS, kicking it out to a bunch of websites and hoping that somebody comes through. Yeah, there's a big difference there. And it's all about that approach. And then also, too, how are you structured and organized to, number one, have the conversation, but then also, as we do here, is practice the conversations. Yeah. So as for everybody that's listening, you know, when was the last time that you were able to really practice with someone the phone calls that you're going to have with your sellers? Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that person or people that you can you can practice with, I would definitely encourage you to try to reach out and find someone. Reach out to us yeah, and have a conversation us. with us. Mm-hmm. Happy to help in that realm because it's definitely a night and day difference. I know for myself, especially working with the listings that I've had is that if I were to try to call them without at least talking to you guys first about it, I would have no idea where to start. But having that plan and that structure, and you mentioned, you know, having that weekly marketing report, it's an actual report that we put together. You know, if you don't have those materials, you're making your job a lot harder and, and to really set yourself apart and be a professional. It's something that you should definitely look into. Yeah. Agreed. And a lot of people might say, where do we get this data, right? And you can start with simple stuff. It doesn't need to be a big, fancy, lavish report because we have leverage on our team now that does all of that for us, Mm -hmm. makes it easy. They prepare the reports. They prepare the reports and put them together. But just starting off, start with your data on, look at your open house data. Look at your data on showings. What is that feedback? Most realtors, too, unfortunately, won't fill out feedback. 
So you need to pick up the phone and call them. If you're not getting good feedback, you need to pick up the phone and call that realtor and say, you showed my house last night, Where? what did they think of it? Right? If they say, oh no, it was cute, but they decided not to, Not it wasn't for them. Is there anything you need to go further? Is there anything we can do to make it number one on their list? Right. So you need to be asking those questions because if you're getting a lot of vague feedback of just, no, not interested, mm -hmm. thanks for letting us show, that doesn't help. You need to be calling that realtor and getting more detailed feedback so you can relay that to yourself. Yeah, and so. one of my favorite questions to ask especially is what is it going to take to have your buyer write an offer on this home? And that's something that you have to throw out there. If you don't ask the question, you might not ever know. Yeah, because sometimes people will be like, well, they really like it, but the carpet's dated. Mm -hmm. Okay, great, if we gave you a carpet allowance, would your client write an offer? Well, yeah, great, write up the offer, let's make that happen, right? So exactly, you need to go, not just rely on the internet mm -hmm. to send some feedback and then relay that. You need to get more detailed feedback. Yes, and have the conversation. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a big part of what we were talking about today is kind of the professional, it's it's sh it's sharpening your skill set every day. I know we talk about that a lot because it's so important in our industry that you're working on your craft every single day and you're working on things like price reduction conversations. You're working on how to, can you provide the most value to your client possible and to be the best version of yourself possible every day too. And it, it comes with starting one, having a plan. So if we go back to what our day should look like, lead generation first thing in the morning because that's typically when it's not always necessarily the best time to call, but it is when you probably have the most energy and also when you can get it done, okay. right? So it's important to stay consistent with lead generation. I think too, a lot of people, they'll start with lead generation though, and then they say it doesn't work, but it does work. They you just can stick, stick with, with it, it long mm -hmm. enough, right? And so it's, it's consistency in that. So if you show up every single day and you're one of the first people in your office, you start making phone calls, you do your lead generation activities, you block out time for script, script practice, Right, And then after that, the rest of the day, honestly, it could be follow-up, it can be going on appointments. But the more you do of that consistently, and, and really that's what your day looks like. Your day could be a four-hour day, and if there's nothing else to do in the afternoon, go home, I guess. Or, <laughs> or pick up the phone and make more calls. pick up the phone and yeah. make more phone calls, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. But, but the, the important thing, too, is a lot of people, too, will say, well, I'm going to start lead generating. You know, it's a new year. I'm going to lead generate three hours a day. And last year you didn't do any lead generation. The likelihood of you doing three hours a day of lead generation is probably not gonna happen, right? It's the old saying, enthusiasm is everywhere, endurance is rare. That's right. You may do it for a couple of days or a week, or but, but it, you probably won't stick with it. And this is not to say, no, if you take massive action, because I do believe in that, if you commit to something, you follow it up with massive action. So you should be taking, committing to this and doing three hours of lead gen a day. But if you find that's not sustainable for you, start with an hour a day. Mm -hmm. Like, let's just be realistic here and start with an hour a day and get consistent in your schedule. Obviously, we would encourage you to do more, right? But at the end of the day, start with something and get consistent with it. And as you get consistent with it, you'll see as that, that, that habit starts to build, the more success you start to have. That's right, exactly. And start from, starting from nothing is oftentimes the hardest. So get that time on the calendar. First and foremost, get a time block, block out an hour. We challenge everyone that's listening this week to block out how many hours? I want to say six. Let's say six. Yeah, do six hours of lead generation with us. Block out six hours of time on your calendar this week. Do some lead generation. And if you have questions about the process, feel free to reach out. And honestly, we wish you the best of luck in that. If you ever want to practice scripts, let us know too. Yeah. Because we're happy to help with that as well. Yeah, we do it every day. You're mm -hmm. welcome if you're in St. Louis, come into our office and check it out. Definitely. So. Mm -hmm. But that's the thing. You have to commit to something. Yes. Right? You have to commit to something and know that there's no other option. Right, like you're gonna to commit to real estate. If you just got licensed in real estate or if you've been in it and you're struggling, you need to sit down, commit, focus, and put all of your effort into it. Yes. And, and basically, because a lot of people too will say that, well, 
I would never want to be that successful because they've probably had to sacrifice too much and they probably have to, you know, have, have missed on family events and everything like that. Where what people don't realize is the more success you have, the more you're able to buy time back because you can now afford leverage, right? If you're succeeding in a high level and you have a lot of money coming in, you don't have to clean your house. You can pay somebody else to do that every week, right? You don't have to cut your grass anymore. You can pay somebody to do that. You're buying time. You get ad administrative help. You're buying time, but a lot of people use it as an excuse to, I don't want to be successful like that because of, mm -hmm. when in reality, they don't really know because they haven't been there yet. Right. But when you succeed at a high level, you're highly leveraged and you actually have, you, you don't miss family events. You don't miss anything like that. So you need to commit to something. You need to burn your boats, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Right. Like That's the right. Vikings burn them high. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What'd they do when they took, when they were going to go attack a, a country? They'd land on shore, they'd torch their boats, and they knew the only way they were going Come home. Come back on the enemy ship. Yeah, yep. they'd have to steal to get the ship, defeat the enemy. and you know That's the kind of level of commitment that you need that in this industry because it is a difficult industry. There's nothing easy about this industry. Any sales profession is a difficult industry. You're not guaranteed to make any money next month. right? right? And, and so if you commit at the highest level and you burn your boat, right, the, and, you, and you go all into this thing, Right, and you're you're learning your skill set every day. You're practicing. You're doing everything you're supposed to be doing every single day. There's no reason you won't succeed. It might not happen next week, but if you do it consistently every single day, it's going to happen. And you just have to keep chipping away at that every single day. It'll happen eventually. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's all we so, have for today, and we hope to see everybody next week. Yeah. Tune Make in. sure to subscribe. Tune in if you like what we're saying and you like this stuff. Subscribe. Share it with your friends and. We'll look forward to seeing you next week. See you next week. Thanks, guys.